Welcome, everybody, to Laying the Points with Farley Betts. We have a great, great show for you today. Will Hill, decent contributor, NY City Cast, New York City Cast, joins us today on the show again. He was on the pod before, and we had a great conversation about the NBA, NBA betting, and the NBA postseason. And now we're in the NBA Finals, and we have another great conversation about Game 3 tonight and what we think about the series in general. Before we get to that, let me get to some business. Please follow us at theoddsbreakers.com. I say it all the time because it's true. The content is constant coming through there on all sports, all betting, great writers, great podcasts. Check us out at The Odds Breakers, your one-stop shop for shared sharp betting information. The main pod with Kiev, we have Nick Hub in his podcast, Gator Sports Betting, Michael Fordham's killing it with baseball. Uh, it's just a great crew, guys. So check us out at The Odds Breakers. And always very grateful to be able to channel my Laying the Points podcast through The Odds Breakers channel. Uh, check me out at Farley Bets, of course, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Probably put out a TikTok today. We'll see. You know, I'm trying to do those almost snarky and sarcastic because that's what that's what TikTok is, right? It's not a lot of content. Like, it's not a lot of sharp bettors. It's just people saying, hey, this is going to happen. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to say, hey, this is going to happen. And uh, if you want to look more into that, you can read my articles at The Odds Breakers. You can watch me at BetUS, NBA, et cetera. Speaking of which, follow us at BetUS underscore TV, the BetUS NBA show. Today, June 8th, I will be on there in place of Josh, who can't be on the show today, talking about this NBA Finals Game 3. Follow BetUS TV. And with that, very quick rant before I get to my podcast with Will Hill. Uh, two minutes. Let's keep this under two minutes. Maybe I could do it even less. Watch out for hubris. Watch out for hubris. Maybe, maybe it was hubris that caused the Warriors to let down in the second half of game one of the NBA Finals. Maybe it was hubris that caused the Celtics to waltz into the Chase Center as if everything's going to be cool. Like, we're the superior team, brah. Not according to Golden State, you're not. Hubris, it means excessive pride or self-confidence. This is something that bothers and, and, and causes a lot of sports bettors to have down weeks, down months, right? Because they get ahead of themselves. They get a little too fat and sassy about their takes. They think their takes are the best takes. They're gods. They're modelers. They're sharps. Eh, not really. You know, it's sports. Sports are very unpredictable. There's a lot of discrepancies that should never happen that happen, right? There's just a lot of volatility, a lot of variance. Um, so watch out for hubris. Watch out for hubris in sports. Like for the NBA Finals, and Will Hill and I talked about this, I wouldn't be surprised if these games just went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, because Golden State tends to get too comfortable, right? And then they have a letdown game. Boston, young, maybe a little too fat and sassy about themselves at this point, just think that they're the better team. They have a letdown game. And Invertly, both of these teams have responded, right? When they have a down game, next game, they look a lot better. Buttoned up, defense, offense, effort. So watch out for hubris. It affects us all. Watch out for it in sports and the psychology of sports and sports betting. It comes for the best of us. And Maybe that was the case for the White Sox and Dodgers yesterday. Dodgers, big letdown. They got shut out by the White Sox. Watch out for the Dodgers today. With that, let's bring Will Hill on the podcast at not the Will Hill on Twitter. That's two E's. Let's get to a great conversation about the NBA Finals. 
All right, we're back on Laying the Points, and Will Hill joins us once again, VEASAN contributor, CityCast podcast. What's going on, Will? How you doing? How are you enjoying these NBA finals? What a what a roller coaster so far. Yeah, it has been. It has been a great postseason for the NBA in general, just a, a lot of blowouts. Um, I think they've been predictable in some respects where these teams that get blown out or like the other night where Boston steals game one on the road, you kind of know that game two, they're not going to get the calls that – you know, these teams have a habit. They still game one on the road and they get their teeth kicked in game two. So they've been predictable in some aspect. And, you know, it, it helped a little bit getting a game seven Boston, Miami. But for the most part, man, not a lot of game sevens, not a lot of drama, not a lot of close games. I think the ratings have reflected it where it just looked at, you know, sometimes it happens, but we haven't had a great postseason here. Yeah, the uh, Warriors winning uh, by that 30 point margin heading into the fourth quarter. And then obviously Boston came back a little bit, but that was their second and third teams out there. Right, so it really wasn't much of a game in the second half. Golden State Warriors did what they usually do in the third quarter. I mean, has that? I don't. I haven't tracked it, but I feel like that's probably been the most solid bet in the NBA playoffs. I think they only lost one or two third quarters so far. I know they lost one to Dallas, uh, but I'm not sure if they lost any others. But anyway, um, yeah, no, that's a profitable trend ever since Kurt took over. And I think you can throw away the 19 and 20 years where they were hurt and they weren't. You know, really, the Warriors. But ever since they became good, ever since Kerr took over, that they're just a machine in the third quarter for whatever reason. They just, uh, boy, that these avalanches come with with these runs where just uh, they run you out of the gym. So yeah, it's been a really profitable trend. Absolutely. So before we get into the NBA Finals, a question that I usually ask everybody once they're on my podcast for the first time, I didn't ask you last time, Will, and I should have. For our listeners and for those of our listeners who don't really, you know, know much about you, maybe never listened to the City Cast. How did you how did you get your start in sports betting? What piqued your interest in it? Uh, and kind of what's your background that got you associated with it? Yeah, well, I you know, I had a dad that really liked sports, an older brother that really liked sports, and I just I grew up watching sports and you know what? It was I like I grew up in the nineties, so it, we didn't have all this Twitter. Now we're gonna sound old here, but we didn't have Twitter. You had to watch Sports Center, read the newspaper if you want to learn more about sports and I remember one day in the newspaper, you noticed, I'm sure you did one time at some point, you noticed they put lines or point spreads. And you think, what are these? Like, what, you know, why is Green Bay seven versus the Giants? What does that mean? And of course, once it's explained to me, it, it piqued my interest. It's just a natural curiosity. And what was more, even more curious, and I remember asking my dad, it's like, hey, what if they put the, you know, they put these lines in the paper, but it's illegal to bet them. What's the point of putting them in the paper? That doesn't seem right. Something seems off there. So, uh, and here we are all these years later with all this sports coverage and, now it's it's so mainstream where they're talking about it on ESPN. They're talking about it on all these shows that the point spreads are are just you know part of the coverage. So yeah, that's uh, I think that's how it started. Just you know reading the newspaper, seeing the lines, wondering what that was about. And I think once you once you go down that road, you just have a natural curiosity and you sort of look at the games through that lens. Do you have a statistical background at all, or is it just more about the psychology and the sports and the human element for you? Um, I would say it's more the latter, but I think the statistical, you know, part of it, it's, it's part of the game. You got to, you got to know it. You got to uh, at least, um, you know, study it to some extent. And I would say this, even if you're not, that's not your strength modeling or, or, or things like that, uh, algorithms, you know, what it's important. And I think you probably don't talk about this enough. At least I, I know I don't talk about this enough is partnership. Like, Hey, sports betting, you know, we're doing it individually, but at the same time, it, it's, it's a team game. It should be a team game. And just, you know what? Partner up with with five or six people that you know are smart, that are good in different sports, and sort of trade information because it's hard to be great at every sport. I mean, look at all the sports going on now. There's WNBA, there's CFL, there's hockey, there's NBA, 
there's baseball. Pretty soon we'll have college football. Pretty soon we'll have NFL. It's hard to sit here and say, hey, I'm an expert in, you know, 11 different sports. But if you're really good in two or three and you find somebody else who's really good in two or three and you sort of trade information, it's a way to, hey, at the end of the day, it's us versus the sports books. And that's a good way to sort of, you know, team up and, and get the best of both worlds. Yeah, that's really a good thing to know, right? It's it's a lot about networking in this industry too. If you just, you know, you meet the right people, the sharper guys, the smart guys, you know, you build relationships, don't burn bridges. Uh, there's certainly people out there, right, who are looking, you know, for numero uno, you know, and they could, you know, there's some shady things just like there is in every industry. But there's also a lot of trustworthy guys, a lot of sharp guys who have the same passion that we have, you know, and and yeah, there's there's it's it's impossible, you know. I say that this time of the year is kind of a lull, right? It's kind of like a break of some sort. But then you turn around and, you know, the French Open just finished. You know, the U.S. Open will be around the corner. Uh, you know, so there's still tennis. You know, baseball, even though I, I try to limit my exposure in baseball as much as I can. You know, a lot of parlays with me in baseball and stuff like that just because I don't call myself an expert on it. We did pretty well last year. But anyway, you know, you got baseball. UFC is almost every weekend. You know, you got soccer going on now. It's like, oh, there, there's still quite a few sports. And I know some of my friends are – are starting to cap the WNBA, which is which is really cool because that's a market probably that's really you know there's probably some benefit there to to you know trying to find an edge in a market that's not as scrutinized, right? I mean the no doubt. WNBA still has a while to go. Yeah, absolutely. Look, the Cowboys are playing the Packers in Week Four. That line's usually going to be pretty accurate because they're, they're just the handle on those games is so enormous. So they're going to make a pretty tight number. Not that the, the line, not that the final score is always going to be indicative of the number, but uh, WNBA. Hey, the Dream are playing the Seattle Storm. Like, hey, you might get a, a couple points of value. Just uh, like you mentioned, that's our advantage as, as betters. We only have to bet a few things. We can pick and choose. These bookmakers, they got to post lines for everything. Like you said, the French Open, the U.S. Open, the golf, golf matchups, WNBA, CFL. You know, fifteen MLB games. So, there's certain days here we get. You know, the rainouts and the compressed schedule because of the delayed start where there's like 17, 18 MLB games. There's still NFL games up. That Some of those lines can be, you know, weaker at this point of the season. College football lines are up. So you just go down the line here. They have so many things to do. All it takes is one mistake for us to catch on to it. So, yeah, that's, that's always, you know, what I've always um, kind of assumed is our advantage is the fact that we can pick and choose. They got to make lines for all these games, but we just got to find a couple of them, one or two, that we can find an advantage in. And, yeah. Uh, look, the, a WNBA bet pays the same as betting the NFL as long as exactly, it wins. Exactly, right? Yeah, that, absolutely. And sometimes that's that's what kind of draws us away, I think, right? We're like, oh, uh, for whatever reason, there's like this mental block where, yeah, well, I know this sport, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the lines are the same thing, right? So if you can find yeah. an edge, do a little research, start start to get an understanding of you know, some of the patterns that are going on in some of these more you know ancillary sports. Let's but you know let's face it at this point, right? Especially compared to the Giants, like the NFL, um, there's there's a, there's an easier way to find an edge. And and well, in case you're wondering, I know you're on the edge of your seat for this. My dryer is is finished. My clothes are dry, so don't worry about that. We just heard the buzzer. <laughs> that means <laughs> that means we can move on to our next question. Um, let's get into the modeling stuff too, and just kind of the way that you approach sports betting because I know for these NBA finals in particular, right, this could be a good segue into our conversation about that too. If you're a modeler and, you know, if you um, rely heavily on your own statistics and maybe, you know, leveraging all the data that's out there these days, you probably do favor the Celtics because there's, there's a lot of information that tells us that the Celtics 
have been an elite team most of the season, especially since January or you know late January, right? One of the best defenses in the NBA, one of the best offenses in the NBA, very consistent. But And, of course, we've seen a Warriors team that's been a little injured, right? Steph was out for a little while. Draymond was out for a little while. Uh, you know, Clay only started halfway through the season, really. Um, so I think for modelers, it's like, well, the Celtics should be winning this series, right? So they're going to probably align things, align their numbers more towards Boston. But in my in my opinion, right, you can't just look at it that way, right? You have to look at – there's a lot of intangibles, and, we, you know, we say intangibles, but – what we're really talking about there is, you know, patterns in human behavior, things like experience, leadership, et cetera. These, these are also measurable, harder to measure. But what are some of your approaches and does anything change for you when you're taking on something as magnanimous as the NBA finals? Right. This is this is it. Right. And, and you have a team that's as experienced as the Warriors, not so much for the Celtics, but a lot of data supports the Celtics. How do you approach uh, betting something as big as the NBA finals? Yeah, it's a great question, um, and it's funny. I, I think you're 100% right when you look at all the models, modelers that uh, the people that use the numbers. The 538 gave I think Boston an 80% chance to win the series, which to me is just a, an incredible, uh, incredible overreaction. Kevin Pelton, who uh, works for ESPN, does a lot of numbers, uh, does a lot of analytics. Gave Boston, I think he said back in you know, January or February that Boston would win the title, something crazy like that. Um, so a lot of the numbers do favor Boston, but you look up, it's 1-1. It's now a best of five. Boston would have three of the five at home. So Boston should be favored, right? The, the series is basically a coin toss according to these books. I don't know if anything's moved, but last I looked, it was minus 110, minus 115 each way. Basically a coin toss. So uh, it's pretty interesting. Now, one thing uh, I, I don't know that the numbers completely take into account with the Warriors is they haven't had Draymond, Steph, and Clay all together at once very much this season. And again, Clay is not certainly Clay of his prime. So that I don't know how you factor that in, but uh, it's a fascinating series. I think either team that wins is not a prototypical champ because um, look, if you're just picking sides, playground style, Curry's the first pick between these two teams. After that, it's Tatum, it's Brown, it's, I don't know, smart, Horford. I mean, you're going a while. I mean, who is the Warriors' second best player? Usually, a championship team has a, a really good second best player. The Warriors don't have that. But on the other hand, the Celtics, you know, usually when you have a championship, not only do you have a, sec, a, a good second best player, but look at who the guys who win championships. It's Jordan, it's LeBron, it's Tim Duncan, it's Kobe. It's the A superstars, the guys that are, you know, 99s in Madden. Tatum's a really good player, but I don't think he's at that level where he's, you know, Jordan, LeBron, Kobe. He's not that that level. So, I don't think either team really fits the bill of a prototypical champion. I think we're, you know, maybe possibly moving past the era of super teams. You know, it's not the it's not the LeBron, uh, Wade, Bosh era anymore. I think we're seeing, you know, you don't need that third superstar. Hell, the Warriors are, are coin flip to win the series, and they don't really have that second superstar. Like I said, I don't know who their second best player is. So, uh, it's a fascinating series. I would still favor Boston just because they have home court right now. They seem a little younger. They seem bigger. They seem deeper. But, hey, the Warriors, they do have that championship DNA. Uh, if the Celtics could just not turn the ball over, I think they'd have a great chance. And uh, I think it's just obviously it's a short series, so these next two games are huge. But I think if, if the Warriors can get a split in Boston, they're in good shape to force a game seven and have a little bit of an advantage in game seven where they have the best player in Curry in their home. Whereas if Boston can go up three games to one, uh, these teams are just too evenly matched. I don't think Golden State, even though they have five at home, they'd have seven at home. 
I don't know that Golden State can run off three in a row. So uh, I think you know a big part of this series is these next two games. Can Boston sweep both of them and go up three games to one? Yeah, I would say I think I think Boston needs to win uh, both of these next two games to. I mean, obviously that gives them the best chance to win the series. But and and, I, and I'm not saying they still can't win the series if they don't win both of these games. But um, this is it. You know, Boston is his back at home. They they have not been as good at, at home no. um, as they have been on the road, which is really interesting. Ten and two ATS on the road, uh, five and four straight up at home so far um, in this postseason. So you know that that's kind of a thing for Boston, right? When they're the underdog, when they're on the road, uh, they seem to be more comfortable in those spots. Now they're the favorite, right? Three and a half point favorites going back home. TD Garden. There there kind of is more pressure on you if you think about it that way because. Even though they're young players who can settle in behind their home crowd, you're you're expected to win, right? You're you're at home. You're like, okay, you know. So the target is kind of more on you. And we've seen the Celtics kind of stumble in some of these situations. Totally agree with what we were saying about the number two for Golden State as well. You know, sometimes it's Andrew Wiggins, right? Sometimes it's Jordan Poole. Sometimes and, it's Looney. Sometimes Poole doesn't play. It's really it's strange. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes it's Clay, right? Clay, yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, Clay is not himself. Clearly, Clay is He'll not, have a game, know. though. He'll have one game. He, he will absolutely have a game. Yeah. When you have two significant leg injuries like that, you're never going to be the same version of yourself, right? We, I mean, we were just talking about how banged up we are at 36 before the podcast. Uh, he, you know, so Clay's been through some things, but he averages nearly 20 points on the road in these NBA playoffs so far. And, I mean, I would fully expect, especially after that bad shooting night that he had in game two, when the Warriors still blew out the Celtics, um, that that Clay Thompson, I think he's going to respond tonight. And if he doesn't respond tonight, he's probably going to respond in Game Four. There's going to be a game where the Warriors are going to have to turn towards his, you know, ace, ace, precise shooting. You know, that 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 assassin like tendency that he can have. Uh, you know, he just needs to settle in maybe a little bit more. But um, talk to me about Draymond Green a little bit because it you know, obviously probably Draymond Green, even though Steph Curry was you know, the biggest uh, score, like, and he's the catalyst, obviously, for the Warriors. The name we're hearing most about probably is is Draymond Green, right? Because he, he, he is that member of the Golden State Warriors who, even though they're a more, you know, fluid, flamboyant team, they have that enforcer in Draymond Green, and they need him, I think, right? When, when other teams are the aggressor first on the Celtics, I've noticed, the Celtics, you know, they kind of get punched in the mouth, and then they kind of get shaken up a little bit. I think Draymond Green needs to do that on a game-to-game basis or else, you know, the Celtics are going to bring the physicality and then it becomes more about, you know, them getting fouls and then maybe, you know, kind of getting a little more, uh, you know, lateral movement uh, with the refs. You know, the the refs, for what it's worth, too, I heard a lot of Boston fans like, hey, hey these home fans, you know, they're really liking the Warriors at home in game two. Yeah, I mean, there was three more free throws for the Warriors in that game. So it wasn't that disparate. We saw a lot of disparity in the Heat and Celtics series. So I you know, I think the Celtics rely on, on being the aggressors from the beginning, and they were thrown off when Draymond Green was. How important is Draymond Green for you, for the Warriors, and for this series? And do you think that he can keep that up consistently for this team? Yeah, he needs to because if he's not giving you that, you know, that defensive presence, he's almost not playable because you don't even have to guard him. And I thought some of the lineups, I thought this is where Golden State got in trouble in game one where they're playing Draymond and Iguodala at the same time. And I think – uh, Kerr learned his lesson with Iguodala. I mean, loyalty only goes so far. You can't have a, a lineup where two guys can't shoot because then it just shrinks to four. You're playing five on three defensively if you're Boston. So uh, Draymond's huge. I heard Van Gundy the other day on a podcast saying, if I'm Boston, you got one or two ways to approach this. Completely ignore him. 
or just confront him from the opening tip and try to bait him into two technicals, try to get him a technical right away and just go at him. Every time he goes at you, you go back at him and just try to exaggerate the conflict. And maybe you get that second technical, maybe because you're home, you get that second technical on him and you get him out of the game. So yeah, he's intense. He's bordering on like unhinged. I thought the other (laughs) night he was crazy that first quarter, that first half. I mean, he puts his foot in Brown's face, and and, and then Brown, you know Brown gets mad. Obviously, then he gets mad that Brown gets mad. It's really, uh, he, you know, he he certainly toes the line between intensity and just being completely unhinged. But yeah, extremely important player here for the Warriors. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Marcus Smart. We see some of the more important players for the Celtics, like Marcus Smart, Al Horford, combined for only ten points in Game Two. Uh, I would expect them to play better tonight too. Uh, you know, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they're going to get theirs. It seems to me that as long as one of them get theirs, then the Celtics have a really good chance to produce enough offense with all their other supporting cast members, you know, obviously contributing. Now, if if they do contribute, you know, we saw um, Al, Al, Al Horford kind of look shook in that last game, Will. Um, you know, especially when he was in the paint, he was getting harassed. And what I've noticed from Boston, too, is they have a tendency to get a little shaken up, get, you know, get a little tight, right? They they kind of forget who they are on offense. They go back to that ISO ball a lot. Um, one thing that I'm trying to note on my podcast to some of our listeners too is like, and I love what you said, that this series is very evenly matched, right? We saw after game one, to me, it seemed like everybody coming out of the woodwork like, oh, well, you know, I mean, how, how are the Warriors going to match up with the Celtics team? Well, I think it's more even than we think. For example, points in the paint on defense, Warriors are, have been a top five team all year. I think as long as the Warriors can keep the Celtics on the perimeter, that they have a pretty good shot at least to stay in these games, even at the TD Garden Center. Are there any other things that you're seeing that the Warriors are doing either on defense or offense that's really throwing off the Celtics? And how do you expect the Celtics to respond in game three? Yeah, I thought game one, they there was a lot of lack of communication on switches, which led to some open looks for both teams. It was crazy. I think Curry takes some getting used to Boston. You saw in that first quarter, they're going under these screens. Curry, I mean, those are layups. I know it's 30 feet, 30 foot shots for Curry, yeah. but those were like layups. And after that, I think after the first quarter, he only made one three or something. So I think definitely think there's an adjustment period both sides in terms of the communication, the switches. I think Peyton uh, is a big emergence for the Warriors. Get him back healthy. He's a very active defender. He rebounds. You know, he's very, um, you know, he's a big, big plus on the defensive end. And um, not having Robert Williams for Boston. Robert Williams, I don't know if you noticed Sunday, I had player props on him under, so I was watching him very closely. He could barely get up and down the court. He's struggling. He's limping. Uh, yeah. So that sort of swing there, I think, is interesting. Uh, I probably should say the one bet I have made on this game, I made it the first two games, I'm going back to it, under 212 and a half. I just I expected this to be an under series to begin with. I expected this to, to morph into a defensive series. Now, these teams hit 43s in game one, and they had a high-scoring first quarter. But since then, the defenses have taken over. And I just like both defensive matchups here. I think the pace has been very slow. Uh, the creator of shot quality, I just had him on my podcast, actually. He was talking about, Game one, he had his like 196 points, and game two, he had under 200. So, based on the pace, based on the, the quality of these shots, these these games should both be under 200. So, 212 and a half here, barring an outlier night with, with the three point shot, I would expect another uh, another sort of a slugfest. I do like the under tonight. Yeah, I, I I agree with you there. Definitely lean towards the under for me. Uh, the only caveat to that is I think in the third quarter we're going to see more points. Yeah, I mean if you look at the Warriors games in this postseason. Uh, even if they're not scoring a ton of points, like they, you know, they had a, a few flops in the third quarter in the postseason. But usually, they try to push the pace. You know, they try to come out with a more aggressive offense. And, and my narrative is that, in all likelihood, Boston's going to be uh, leading at the half. They are favored in the first quarter. They are favored in the first half. 
you know, low line, but still, you know, one and a half to two and a half. Um, and after that, I mean, Boston basically gave up in the second half of game yeah. two. So you would expect a response, a big time response, start the aggression early in this game. Uh, and probably a lot of defense early in this game too. And to speak to the slow pace that you said, uh, you know, I just, I just expect a lot of contentious moments in that first half, but golden state as they typically do, even if they don't win the third quarter, I think they're going to try to open things up, space the floor and speed up the game a little bit too. Um, where would you have these two teams? Now I, you know, assuming that not much has changed in your power ratings on an, on an even court, you know, say these two teams are playing in, you know, Minnesota or something against yeah. each other. Um, on an, on, an, on an even court, where would you have these two teams lined? Would you have the Celtics as slight favorites? Yeah, probably Boston a point or two better. Not much, but but a little better. Again, I think a little younger, a little deeper, a little more athletic. And you're just choosing sides, playground style. Go back to that. I mean, Curry's the first pick. But after that, you're picking a lot of Celtics. So uh, I would think Boston's a little better. Now, again, they, they kind of undo a lot of that advantage with the turnovers. And Curry, look, I mean, Boston, here's the one thing that's going for Curry. Curry hasn't had that game where he goes nuclear yet. And I don't know that Boston's come up with a way to defend him. I mean, he's just so clearly the best player on the on the court. Uh, you don't want to just you know straight up double team him because Golden State's too good at passing. Where you know what they're smart, they're good at passing. Four on three for them offensively is going to lead to some easy looks. So I don't know if you go box in one. I don't know what you do. I mean, we can say these teams are even. We can say Boston's a little better, but Curry's to the point where he's so good that he can sort of uh, negate any advantage Boston has. And he hasn't had a game where he's gone nuclear, and, and Clay hasn't had a game so. Boy, if you get one of these on the road, if you're Golden State, you feel pretty good. Yeah, so let's talk about the uh, series in general. Uh, what do you foresee at this point? I mean, not much has changed, right? It's a best of five series now. Boston still has home court advantage. So the Warriors would have to win one in Boston to stay in the series uh, conceivably. Um, where do you? How many games do you see this series going? Do you think there's any futures worth uh, a wager now? No, I mean, I, yeah, I think Boston's boy, it's tough. I've gone back and forth. I picked Warriors in seven. I think I got it plus 400 after game one. I, I was a little shook, not just because Boston won, but because the way they won. I thought, yeah, here, here's what I thought. I, you know what? Curry was the best player. Tatum only made three shots. You're home and you still lost the game by what 12, 15 points. So that was definitely concerning. Uh, but I picked Warriors in seven. I, I do think we're, we're getting a longer series here now. Look, Boston gets the next two, they got a chance here to, to make it a quicker series, but. Um, you know, Golden State's very capable of winning on the road. You've seen, you as you've mentioned, Boston uh, has not been this lights-out home team. So I'll stick with Warriors in seven. Uh, I do think there's some value here, and sometimes these correct series score, if you can, you know, narrow down who you like and how many games. I think there's value in that. So uh, I, I will stick with my original pick. I'll, I'll say Golden State gets one of these three because hey, they only have to win one of these three in Boston and just hold serve at home to get to a game seven. So uh, I'll stick with Boston. I'll stick with Golden State in seven. And uh, look, not to call conspiracy theory, but you know the NBA wants a seventh game. It's Father's Day. They haven't had a great postseason. It's been, uh, you know, the ratings haven't been great. If you can get a game seven here next Sunday, now it's it's stretched out. They, they stretch it out all the way to Father's Day weekend. But if you can get a game seven, Celtics Warriors Father's Day night on that Sunday, uh, the league that will be very good for the league. So if it's uh, if it's three two Warriors going into Boston game six, I'm sure Boston will get plenty of calls and vice versa. So I will stick with. Uh, Golden State in seven. Admittedly, do not feel great about it. I do think it's a long series, though. Yeah, I mean, man, we're agreeing about a lot of stuff here, Will, which is um, <laughs> not a lot of conflict in these debates. But yeah, I, you know, it, it, it almost sounds square, right? But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Boston answers the call tonight. Warriors then respond and answer the call in game four. 
and then it goes back to Golden State, and then it goes back to Boston. So maybe they switch there. Maybe the Warriors win two in a row. But this is just a series where both of these teams, the mentality that Boston has, Ime Yudoka has proved it. He's he's a coach that has the attention of his players. He knows how to coach these players mentally, even though they're young. So their Celtics have responded all year. They responded all all postseason, and they've had some letdown games for sure. Right? We think about Miami Game Six. You know, you think about the uh, uh, the uh, the Bucks game in Game Five. I think it was. You know, the Celtics could have took some of those series a little bit earlier, and they yeah. didn't. Right? They just let these other teams stay in it, but um, they do respond. And, and Golden State as well. That championship DNA. You know, if Draymond is motivated for them, I mean, of, of course, they're all motivated. But if they have that extra incentive to be aggressive from the beginning, you know, Curry running the offense as usual, and all they need is that one other guy to really step up, and Golden State's going to respond. So I agree, seven games is probably what's going to happen here, and I'm still taking the Warriors two and seven. I said that from the beginning, but, man, I agree. After that after that first game, Will, I was, I was starting to question myself a little bit and question the uh, assertions that I had on this series. Um Let's, if it's cool with you, let's cross over because I have to mention a few things about your New York sports here, Will. Sure. Uh, first of all, the New York Rangers, who have been absolutely no, I'm not a big hockey guy. So I can't, I mean, I, I love to watch playoff hockey. Who doesn't? But I'm not going to give you, you know, a bunch of bets and wagers. I'm not going to claim to be an expert at all. I'm betting the NHL. But what do you see in this series now? It's going back to New York, right? It's, it's 2 2, Tampa Bay laid the wood last night on the Rangers, answered the call, the returning Stanley Cup champions. Uh, what do you foresee? Is this a seven-game series? Is, the, is it kind of the same thing as the Warriors and the Celtics, kind of destined for two great teams to keep on going at it? Yeah, I picked Rangers in seven, and uh, you know I don't know much about hockey, at least until two weeks ago. Now I'm all of a sudden on Barry Melrose on my podcast talking about these <laughs> hockey games like I know what I'm talking about. But, uh, yeah, these games are exciting. They're fun. I do worry if I'm, if I'm New York. Now, I thought, you know what, if you're going in, you're the underdog, you got a game seven at home, just force a game seven, you're in good shape. But they were up two games to none, and they were up two nothing in game three, up two one in the third period. They had a chance to put Tampa away. Uh, Tampa steals the game, wins it 3-2, and they run them off the ice last night. And now we're 2-2, best of three. Tampa's the favorite again. I think it all comes down to tomorrow. If the Rangers lose, you know, I don't think they're winning a game six in Tampa. That building is crazy. I think Tampa's probably slightly better. These teams are very evenly matched. But if you get to a game seven at home, the, the, the Rangers have been great at home, seven and one in the postseason, uh, seven and one or eight and one. But they, they've been very good at home in the postseason. I think they've won seven in a row. I think they're eight and one in the playoffs. Um, they've been you know dominant at home. If you can just figure out a way to win tomorrow, you know, split these next two and get a game seven with home ice. You know, you got a, a really good goalie now. The goalie for Tampa, he's pretty damn good too. But uh, this might be a, an opportunity to jump in on the Rangers if you think they're going to win these series. This series plus six twenty five, plus six fifty to win the whole thing. Not a terrible bet because, like I said, they have home ice in this round. They probably have a big goaltending advantage if they were able to get to a cup, uh, get to a cup final. So, yeah, I think we're looking at Rangers in seven here. Yeah, going to be interesting too. I mean, they almost got shut out, shut out last night too, right? Yeah. They got the last goal. I think it was in the third period. But um, the Rangers team that's been exploding on offense all of a sudden just shut down at Tampa Bay. Uh, so a lot of back and forth in that too. Uh, it seems like you know, kind of that has the same psychology as the series as the as the NBA Finals right now. Um, how about baseball? Will if let me ask you this now, I, I can't, I can't claim to be a Yankees fan because if I did, you know, I'm, I'm a huge New York giants fan, but I didn't grow up with the Yankees, you know? So if I just jumped on the bandwagon right now, that would seem a little, that would seem a little fake. Um, but are the Yankees, I mean, if the Dodgers don't exist, right, are the Yankees the second best team in baseball right now? I mean, what, what, what Aaron judge is doing and some of the pitching that they're bringing, 
Uh, I love that uh, uh, Nestor Cortez, man, he's slinging it. Uh, the Yankees look like a better version of themselves this year. What are you seeing from the Yankees, and are, do you have any futures on them? Yeah, I grabbed them, and I grabbed some on the Mets division prices, some uh, some uh, World Series futures earlier in the year, both of them. And you could say Yankees are the second-best team in baseball. You could also say the Yankees are the second-best team in the state because the Mets are pretty damn good, <laughs> and they don't even have their pitchers. They don't have Scherzer. They don't have DeGrom. Yeah. Uh, Alonzo and Marte got hurt last night for the Yankees. Yeah, they're just incredible. I, I gave out on the city cast the other day. I was like, look, it's not, it's not sexy. It's kind of boring. But Aaron Judge at three to one to win the MVP. I think he should be even money. I think he should be minus. And I went to look today, and he's starting to creep towards even money because uh, Otani certainly regressed. You know, Trout hasn't played well. The Angels haven't played well. It's just a situation where Judge, as long as he stays healthy and, and doesn't miss a significant period of time, can run away with this MVP. But yeah, it's a uh, Certainly not out of the question. We see a Subway Series, and I think this would be the ideal kind of Final Four year for baseball. Yankees versus Astros and all the uh, history they've had in the ALCS, and then a Mets-Dodgers NLCS. You know, the, the history of the Mets and the Dodgers. You get L.A., you get New York in the mix, the history, the uniform. So a uh, Mets-Dodgers-Yankees-Astros Final Four would be, uh, would be really good for baseball. No, oh, I agree. There would be some high ratings on that for power teams, for historic teams. Uh, for, you know, the perennial playoff teams, you know, really, right? Um, but, God, those Dodgers, man, I expect – I mean, today, right, uh, going back up against – who they faced last night? It was just, uh, the White Sox. Yeah. Uh, get shut out. How often do we see the Dodgers get shut out? Well, uh, in late May, they did against the Nationals in that in that weird game. Uh, but in the next game, the uh, the uh, Dodgers responded with a 14-1 win in, in Arizona. So I, I expect the Dodgers to respond tonight. That's a scary team uh, just in general. But – yeah, Yankees coming into their own, man. And and even though, you know, everybody hates the Yankees, blah, blah. It is it is good for baseball, right? The, these are the perennial historic teams. Um, so I that'd be awesome to see that Final Four. If I was going to become a fan of any New York team, though, it would probably be the Mets at that point because I think that would be the more admirable thing to do. How can you not like Jake DeGrom, right? But, God, the guy's always injured, man. I, yeah, I, I got to pitch at some point. I mean, I don't care how, how good you are at anything. You could be the best – you know, singer in the world. If you don't sing, you don't say. I mean, you gotta, you gotta perform. You gotta, you know, take the ball, take the mound. And I guess he threw a bullpen the other day. But yeah, you're right. It's been a year where he hasn't pitched. I mean, he hasn't pitched in a full calendar year. And you could, you know, that, that's one way to get Mets fans annoyed. You say, hey, Cole's better than Degrom because Cole pitches. They say, oh, you know, he uses the spider attack and he's overrated and all this. And it's like, you know what? Cole pitches every five days. You know, he gives up too many homers. He's not perfect. He's had some bad starts, but he's still really good. And you know what? At the end of the day, you got to pitch. Yeah, steady. Absolutely. I mean, it's like, you know, Christian McCaffrey, right? The the guy seemed like he was going to, you know, yeah, change man. the NFL. I mean, he's an unbelievable yeah. athlete, but then he's not on the field. You know, you got to gotta stay on the field. Um, well, Will, it's always awesome having you on the podcast, man. I love your takes. I think it's great back and forth. If any, if nothing less, we got to talk again when the NFL season kicks off. Talk some New York Giants football. We can we can talk New York Jets if you want to. It's fine. <laughs> hey, we're gonna have plenty of time because once the NBA finals and the NHL final, you know, Cup finals are over, it's just it's a lot of baseball. It's a lot of like you said, tennis and golf. So uh, yep. that football prep, it, you can never start too early prepping for football. So got to have you on my podcast soon. We're gonna do that soon. So I'd be happy to come on yours anytime, of course. So this was a lot of fun, man. Thanks for having me. Sounds great, brother. And you can check out Will at Vison as a contributor on the – is it called the New York City Cast? New York City Cast, vison.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast. So give us a follow, download, rate, review, subscribe. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Absolutely. And what's your Twitter handle? At not the Will Hills. And that's the with two E's, right? The with two E's, yes. Awesome. Not the two E's, Will Hill on Twitter. Will, thank you so much for being on the pod again. 
NBA Finals tonight. Here we come. Should be a show, man. Let's stay under the total tonight. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks. Absolutely. See you, Will.